Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast, where it is my duty to explore all things related to living an optimized and fulfilling life. I personally am on the never-ending journey to improve myself and figured why not share my findings and my conversations with as many people as possible. This episode is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. You can sign up for my email newsletter on there, read my blog, check out some apparel I designed, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Also, I would love to keep this podcast relatively sponsor-free, and to do that, I need your support through Patreon. You can visit the support tab on my website to learn more about that. Your contributions through Patreon will keep the Life Enchanted content flowing and will also help me dedicate more time to expanding the content, i.e. the blog and newsletter and whatnot. But most importantly, a portion of every cent that comes through Patreon and my online store will be donated to Metro World Child. You can find out more about them through my website on that support tab. Also, please consider leaving a rating and possibly a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Your feedback helps other people discover the show and join the movement. My guest for this episode is mixed martial artist and UFC fighter Josh Emmett. Josh and I have a couple of mutual friends, and I've consistently heard from them just how solid of a human Josh is, and that's really the main reason why I wanted to get him on the show. He has an awesome story, he's overcome a ton of adversity, and continues to do so, and we dive into quite a bit of that. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with the man, Josh Emmett. All right, Josh, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me on, Nick. So in preparation for this episode, uh, listening to other podcasts and interviews you've done and talking with some of our mutual friends and whatnot, it's become very clear to me just how solid of an individual you are outside of MMA, just in life in general, which which is awesome because I know that you necessarily didn't have the easiest of upbringings and... Oftentimes, it seems like people who were raised rough end up pretty rough, and that doesn't seem to be the case for you. And I was hoping we could dive into that a little bit. Can Can you talk to us about what your childhood was like? Yeah. So for for me, it was uh, man my my mom was a single mother. Um, she she raised my older brother and I, and. Uh, you know, for the most part, like my mom was a great mom. Like she's the most selfless, like caring, loving person ever. And she's always been like, you know, the biggest supporter. She, even though she, she's not a fan of like combat sports or any contact sports when I was playing football or wrestling, but mm. especially fighting. Um, but, but she's still like my number one, uh, supporter and she'll, she'll always support me no matter what. But yeah, it was, I guess, difficult just kind of growing up and, and and I say that just because 
it was mainly because of my my older brother. You know what I mean? He How was much older just, than you is he? Three and a half, four years older than I am. Okay. And he's, you know, he was just always involved in the, I don't know, just wrong crowds or or what, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, he was, uh, he, he got into, you know, like drugs, as, like a, I'm talking a early age mm. and, uh, yeah, and just, I don't know what, what the, what the deal was. He was always hanging out with older crowds too, you know, so maybe they were just bad influence. And, uh, yeah. So just basically as I got to be, you know, I want to say, when I was in elementary school, maybe like third, fourth grade, he, he was, yeah, he was in sixth grade. That's when he was like, it, it was difficult for me just because he was always, you know, doing drugs. That young uh, he was, he was getting into it, huh? Sixth grade. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I don't even know where, where he got, you know, where he got the, the stuff from. I, I remember one, uh, you know, one night, like we had bunk beds, he was on the top, top bunk and, and he was just like up all night and then come to find out later on, like he had done acid. And this is like, he was in sixth or seventh grade, you know, I didn't Dang. know what that was, um, or who he got it from. That's what I was saying. He's, he's, he was hung, hanging out with a much older crowd, mm-hmm. um, at a, at a very young age. Um, always giving my, my mom just issues. She like, she, you know, she would do her best. She, she was a single mom. She had like two, three jobs. Um, she, she really do whatever she could to like, you know, provide for us. But he just, he, he never kind of, you know, it's like not saying he was the ugly duckling, but he just, he just went off on the wrong path and, and, uh, would never listen. He would be out and about and he, and he was like a a bigger kid and just did what he wanted. Like, so Mm -hmm. it was, uh, so in that sense, it was, it was kind of difficult for me just cause I was always, uh, with him doing drugs as he got older and he, he, you know, he would be skipping school and my mom was trying to, you know, make sure he was going to school and mm-hmm. whatnot. And he would, uh, you know, get into trouble as well. So he was in continuation schools and, um, and then it just, it just kind of got out of, out of hand. So he was, you know, as fast forward a few years he was, you know, then he was selling drugs and he was constantly in and out of, um, you know, he, he'd always have run-ins with the law enforcement. Uh, you know, he was always going to, you know, like little detention centers. And then as he got older, he was in and out of jail. Um, he was just highly like into his downfall was meth. He, he, he would do everything, mm-hmm. but then he, he got into meth and stuff and, and you know what people are like on that. So then they start stealing and they you know, constantly lying and they're just, they're addicts. And, um, he, he was always just, I don't know. I, I guess you could say, like, I don't really talk much about this, but yeah. it's just my whole upbringing. Um, you know, I can remember at a young age, like, third grade like i'm talking about and this is just going through like middle school high school i would come home from school sometimes and and this is probably when i was in like you know eighth grade and he was uh he was he should be in high school but he's not you know Mm. and uh you know the cops would be at the house he was a 5150 um just i I was always scared for my mom's like security and like well-being you know at at a young age And, and that's one of the main reasons why 
I got into, um, I started actually doing Kung Fu when I was, uh, in, I want to say seventh grade or sixth grade, mm. just cause you know, I, I wanted to, I was the only one that, you know, I felt like I needed to protect my mom in case something were to happen. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing that and then I got into wrestling, you know, one of my really good friends, um, you know, he came from a wrestling family, had older brothers that wrestled and, uh, his, his dad was my little league coach and he knew how athletic I was. So he's like, Josh, you need to come out and, and wrestle. And at the, at the time I was like, I didn't want to wrestle cause I was like, I don't want to wear that leotard, you know, that's a singlet, but you know, that's, that's what was going through my mind. I was like, I don't want to wear that thing. And then, uh, I went out there and and I kind of I kind of fell in love with wrestling, you know, and, and I excelled in it. And I did really well, and and I grew up playing every sport, you know, like mm-hmm. from soccer, basketball, baseball, football, and I and I did really well. And and you might look at me and just see like I'm this shorter, uh, this shorter guy, and be like, oh, this guy can't play these sports, but you know, I I could really do everything, but I I excelled at wrestling, so. Um, yeah, I, I picked up that in middle middle school, and uh, you know, kind of the you know, and, and that was one of the main reasons too, you know, because I felt like wrestling, you know, I could grapple a lot of fights, end mm-hmm. up on ground, the ground, and stuff like that, and and in my mind, I'm still just thinking about, you know, if my brother were to do something, then I could, you know, somewhat take him down and kind of control him, you know, because he was a he was a bigger uh individual and this is just what i was thinking the whole time and and that's why at such a young age the cops were always at our house and uh you know and and i saw how hard that was for my mom and Mm. you know how just you know it it was it was really took a toll on her so yeah uh i always wanted to be a police officer too that's like there's only two things i've ever wanted to be in my life and that was a police officer because I wanted to help families um, exactly what was going on with mine and my mom and or a professional athlete and and that's when I wanted to be a you know a basketball player or a football player fighting wasn't even in my mind then because it really wasn't around um, besides like boxing and stuff like that like mixed martial arts was not a big thing um, when I was you know a, a young child so hmm. yeah i was kind of i guess just like the mama's boy you know and and, and i'm and you know i i felt like i would i would stay home just because i i didn't know what my brother was gonna do um where he was at you know and, and i would i would find and i was probably older at this time like you know i'd find you know guns and stuff like that Jeez. in the garage and, and things like that and i remember one time i i i took the gun and i you know i I, uh, you know, took the clip out, took the bullets out and, uh, and I hid the gun and, uh, he was like freaking out. It was like someone came in the garage and stole the gun and all this type of stuff. And, and I, was like, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. And, and he was on drugs too, you know? Yeah. And so that it was just things like that. I always thought he was going to hurt my mom. And, mm-hmm. and I just have some crazy, like just stories that are just, just, you know, off the wall that, uh, I just had to deal with, but I was always kind of, even a a young child, I was like the mediator, you know, my mom Mm. would sometimes come for me for comfort or like, it was, it was just a a different thing. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. And and I wish, you know, I always wish the best for him and things like that. And he just, he never, he never turned it around. And, you know, he's, 
like I said, in and out of jail, prison, like homeless, you know, now he's doing a little, he's doing a little better, you know, he's in a, he's in like a halfway house and stuff like that. And he, he's working on things, but it's still, mm. you know, it's a vicious cycle, like totally. uh, drug addiction and, um, yeah. That's deep, man. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that as well. Was, was there ever a time where, where you looked up to your brother? Because I, I mean, I, I think about my relationship with my brother and the dude was, was my idol for a lot of my life. And he was a couple years older than me, similar to yours. Um, and it was just natural for me to follow in his footsteps was, can you remember a time where you, where you had that vision of your brother? Yeah, no, I, I guess when I was younger, like he, he used to actually do, you know, uh, w one thing that my mom, she wanted us to put us in sports because, you know, we we're always like fighting at the house and just doing stuff. Um, and so we were both going to do Taekwondo and, uh, then she realized like, man, they, I can't put them both in that. So he, since he was older, he got to do it. Then I had to go do some like acrobatics and tumbling and stuff like that. I was like, <laughs> man, I don't want to do this. Um, and I was pissed about that. But then he, he, he actually really did good, do good in Taekwondo. He got like second degree black belt. And, uh, you know, th there was times like, you know, I, I kind of looked up to him in a sense, but, mm -hmm. and, and just saying, always being an older brother. Like I remember some kid was like a older kid was picking on me and, and he went and, you know, beat him up. And, and this is when we we're younger. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he always like, he always looked out for me and he, and he, he, he meant well. He just like, like I said, he just got mixed up with the wrong things and wrong crowd. And he's he's really a he's deep down inside a good person, but the yeah. the drugs just overwhelm you and 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 take that over. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, no, there's little little parts. But as I started to get older, like middle school to high school, and and things got really bad. Then there was just like a lot of resentment, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and I remember when I was in, I want to say, I don't know, we kind of got into like a little scuffle when, I don't know, I want to say I was like a junior in high school. And, and that's when I like, you know, I felt like that's when I could like, you know, if something were to happen, I could protect my mom because we got into it and, and I'd been wrestling all these years and doing different things. And I just took him down and was kind of like in control of him on top. And then it kind of like, you know, fizzled out or or kind of broke up uh i think like his friends were there or my friends and it, it kind of like separated us but yeah for the most part i i learned also at a young age that there was like two routes like everything he was doing was selling drugs and doing all this stuff it's like you know i did the complete opposite mm -hmm. you know because i learned from him so there's things like i appreciate because i you know I, I i did learn kind of what not to do yeah and um was there like a that, moment in time where you made that cognitive decision to go the opposite route because typically younger brothers will, will follow that route right was yeah. was there a certain instance where you just made the decision or was it just you know kind of from the early days when you started going awry that you were like i'm not following that path or yeah it was it was probably I don't even know when exactly, but it was, I don't know, just something clicked. And I, and I think just seeing like, just how, uh, how hard it was on my mom all mm -hmm. the time, you know, mm -hmm. like she's, she, it's a mom. And, and even to this day, you know, like certain things, like she'll do things. I'm like, mom, you cannot, you know, but she, she, it's her son. And, and I don't understand that because I don't have any children, but you know, it's like, 
<laughs> yeah. You know, she'll like. She's no still fighting what, for her kid. Yeah, always. You know, even though he's yeah. a grown man making his decisions, not doing the right things, but it's like she still like loves him so much and does it's her child mm -hmm. so it, no matter it doesn't matter what i say you know um so yeah I, I, yeah i don't know i just saw how hard it was on her and 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 just like yeah i don't know just seeing seeing that and, and just seeing kind of like what he was like going through and and doing like i I don't know. I just, I did not want to be a, a part of that just cause I saw how like detrimental it was. And, and it was kind of like a, just a downward spiral. Like even though he's such a good person, it's like the, the drugs and stuff just took a toll on him and, and made him into this, like this different person, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and he can, he has never been able to escape it. How do you think all of that has, has impacted who you are today i mean as i said in the beginning all of the people that i've spoken with and the interviews that i've listened to and whatnot everyone just speaks super highly of you man and is that just a result of your upbringing and, and just having that that nurturing loving mentality towards your mom and caring for her and providing for her and yeah it's, i don't know i think it's it's just parts of everything i don't know my my mom raised me well and and uh and seeing that and and, and just having other um i guess like just figures and coaches in my life mm -hmm. that have kind of, you know, I think it, it's a combination of everything. And, and, and I just realized, you know, uh, I don't know, just being a, just being a good person, you know what I mean? Like no matter who it is. And that, that's just kind of my, my whole thought process. I, I, I really haven't like, you know, thought too much about it, about why I'm the way I am. But mm -hmm. I, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a good question, but I, I just genuinely, you know, try to try to be a good person and, and do do the right thing all the time. And even, you know, even when people aren't around, just just, you know, I, I feel like everything happens for a reason. I feel like I do believe in karma. Um, I, I feel like what you put out there comes back around. So it's uh, I don't know, I guess I, it, it could probably just be my upbringing, a big mm -hmm. portion of it. Yeah. And uh just the way my mom raised me and, and just all the other, you know, coaches and, and, and people that I've, I've had in my life and, and mentors and, and friends and, and things like that. So just like, a yeah, a that's awesome. Man. That's awesome. It's, it's cool too, because doing the right thing is often the hard thing to do. And it seems like you do the right thing often and and you're loving and kind and selfless and whatnot and that stuff is not easy to do um that's why it's so rare because it's easy to be selfish and prideful and whatnot and just considering the situation you're in i mean you're in a solo con combat sport you know you you're you're in the spotlight you're doing your thing it seems like it would be easy for you to be the jerk the selfish dude who's all about himself and not caring uh about his kin or about his 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 community too much so to to see you on the other side of that is is super dope man i just want to encourage you to to keep that going which i know you will and that's yeah that's one thing that i uh you know it's kind of different too because man i I was a, you know, I, I've been a huge fan of like several sport, sports growing up and, and and definitely when before the, the UFC and MMA was mainstream, I was still watching pay-per-views with like my best friend. Um, when we were in high school, we'd go over, you know, and watch it. And then in 2003 is when the Ultimate Fighter was on and it kind of blew up. But 
I've, I've been a huge fan of mixed martial arts and especially, you know, like the UFC and, and, and I know how it feels to be a fan of someone. And, and when I was a little kid, it's like Mark McGuire was Mark McGuire, Frank Thomas, Sammy mm -hmm. Sosa, all those guys were my favorite players. Like, and I would go to the games and I would do anything to get a picture with them. You know what I mean? So when, when I see, you know, a, a kid wants a picture or anyone like I'll take all the time in the world mm. to, you know, you know, sign autographs, take pictures. Um, even when I was, this is two years ago when almost two years ago, actually, when I had a bad injury in the, the UFC, I was the main event and I, I did my open workout and there was a lot of fans there. And I, um, I was like, oh, I'll be right back. I got to run and, you know, I, I just had to run and grab something in the back. And then I was coming out because I finished my workout. I was going to take pictures and do all this stuff. And this one, I'm cutting weight. This is like the worst time of my camp. You know, it's like 36 hours before weigh-ins. Um, and, and I literally went back and I went to, you know, every single, because they were there for me, the fans. So mm -hmm. I went to every single person, took pictures, signed, did whatever they wanted, you know, and I was there for like, 45 minutes an hour and, and one of the the ufc um staff he's like i've never seen that like no one's ever <laughs> took the time to do that like you know they'll do a few and then take off but i'm like i don't know that's that's just me and and, and i've done some other things for like i don't know i just i know what it feels like and and i've seen i've seen the other end of it too you know i, yeah. I see people because i'm right there with them like some are I don't know. It's, I, I just, I, I can't do it. That's, it's not me. I'll never change. Um, did it bring just, you joy to do that and, and sit there and sign all those autographs and take all those pictures? Or was it kind of like, I'm just going to do this cause I know it's right. Or were, was it joyful for you? No, it was, it was joyful, you mm -hmm. know, just because it's like selfless, man. I tell people, yeah. And, and, and I'm doing this because you know when i say oh i have to do all this and all these obligations for media and fight week and feel like oh that sucks i'm like how's that suck it's like this is what i've wanted you know this is like literally a dream of mine to get to it's the highest like you can't go it's the biggest platform there is for mma it's the it's the nfl the super bowl of mma mm -hmm. and uh i got there and I'm, I'm i just enjoy it i take everything in i i love fight week even though the weight cutting i cut a, a ton of weight and it's extremely hard for me but the the whole time i'm 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 just loving the process because it's it's not gonna last you know what i mean and i'll never have you know, like I said, I've seen people like they get too full of themselves for their egos, this and that. Like, I'm like, who cares? Like if you were, you're just someone that's in the limelight, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's how it is with like celebrities. And so I, I can't imagine some of these guys where they come out of their house and there's people that might get a little way yeah. too much, yeah. you know? And, and for me, I'm like, I've never done this for the fame or anything. I don't really care about that at all. Like, I just think I'm, I'm good at what I do. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of doing it you know, and I've said this before for the, for the money, you know what I mean? And, mm. and, I, and I've sacrificed my entire life, um, and struggled to get where I'm at. And, you know, I'm trying to maximize everything I possibly can and just, you know, meet people. So I have connections after fighting. Cause like I said, hopefully knock on wood, I have a good four or five years left in this. Mm -hmm. Um, but even going back to all the, you know, taking pictures with kids, like even this, this story, or not story, but this thing I did when, uh, my wife and I, after my last fight, we went to, uh, 
Europe for three weeks. And there was this kid that his dad follows me on Instagram and he's messaged me here and there. And, and his son's like, like my biggest fan, you know, he's always playing me in the game. He's always, uh, they always buy my stuff. He asked for, I've sent out some stuff, autograph things to him here and there. Um, they found out I was coming to, to London and, and they live like three, four hours from London. And he's like, Hey, somehow he got a hold of me. And I said, yeah, I'm actually coming out. And he's like, would you be willing to, you know, if I, you know, drove my son out to London, Zach and surprised him and got a picture with you. And I was like, I felt bad for that. I was like, I'm not going to have these, this, this guy and his, his son drive four hours one way to take a picture with me. So I was like, I said, yeah, just come out, man. We'll, we'll hang out for the day. And, uh, like I took him out to lunch and we just walked around and it it was, it was a cool experience, but he, 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 he surprised his son and, and, and the kids, uh, I think he's like nine or 10. And he, uh, it, just the look on his face when I walked in, he was like, mm-hmm. he was like a deer in the headlights. He was like, he didn't know it. He, like, I've never met the kid. I've never talked to him. And he's ran up and gave me a hug. It was kind of, I wish, I wish my wife would have kind of like captured this, but, uh, yeah, it, it was awesome. You know, that it was, is it was so just cool. cool experience. And, and I'll do things like that, you know, people hit me up like, Oh, I see you're here. Can I get a picture? I'm like, yeah, come up here, Ben. Like, we'll have a drink. I'll buy you a drink. Like if I'm not in camp, you know? Yeah. That's so cool, man. I, I talk to my students. I'm a high school teacher and I talk to my students a lot of the time about short term versus long term joy and the correlation between selfishness and selflessness. And when you're selfish, it's short term joy because it's like, oh, I'm going to London. I'm just I don't have time for this kid or I'll just let him come take a picture. But I'm just going to be selfish here because I want to see these sites. I want to go to Big Ben, do my thing here. And that's like short term fulfillment because you're getting what you want done on your trip to London. Right. But yeah. This this selflessness of inviting this kid to come hang with you and be with you for the day and treat him to lunch and all this stuff, that that creates a long term joy that that right now you're reflecting on it and it probably initiates some joy within you. Whereas if you would have been selfish in that situation, it's like that that just fades that day and it, it never brings you anything later on. It doesn't pay dividends and there's there's no residual effect, but serving others and being outside of yourself for the rest of your life you can tap into those memories and initiate initiate joy instantly which is super cool and i think is is something that that people don't really realize just the the joy that comes out of service and it seems like you're doing that often man yeah i'll do whatever i can i i I 100 agree and and that's another thing like when i got done with um when I graduated school and I wanted to per- pursue mixed martial arts, you know, I, I had to get a job that was flexible that could allow me to train in the morning, the afternoon, you know, cause it's a, it, it's basically a full time job with overtime, but we're, we don't get paid for it, you know, unless yeah. you, in, until you fight. So it, it's a, it, it's a tough path. And so I, uh, you know, like I said, I always wanted to be, be a police officer too. And so I was working at a, a group home, which was like, uh, you know, is the highest level hands-on facility, stuff like this. It was just, um, yeah, it was just, but the kids, you know, it's, it's the same thing. They're just in the system their whole life. And it's, it's kind of like their parents are kind of like how my brother was. And so it's like, I, I wanted to, you know, help these kids. So I was working like 13 to 14 hour, sometimes 16 hour shifts just on Saturday and Sunday. So I could train. at the group home. 
Yeah. So Jeez. I could train, you know, Monday through Friday, then Saturday and Sunday was my day off, but I would work, you know, anywhere from 14 to 16 hours. Um, and it, it's just, it's tough too yeah just because i i truly wanted and and i never had any issues with the kids and it's it's kind of it's almost like some of them could relate to me a little bit more but then there's also that you know they thought we were like friends and and i'm like you know there's a fine line there we're not you know we're not like i I wouldn't tell them that but you know what i mean i'm like we're not friends like they would think okay josh is cool like i can go do this i'm like hey don't do that i have to like write him up or get him in trouble yeah but like oh you ratted on me i'm like dude i'm not you know but it's i I, I was like even then i was i was thinking man if i could just help some of these kids or give them guidance because i never got that you know i always wish you know I always wish I had like someone to give me um, just guidance or just, Hey, don't do this. You should do this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I I never had that. I I never had that until I actually, I met actually my, my best friend. And and it's, it's kind of, it's funny to say that even though he's like a few years older than me, he was like a big brother to me, almost like a, a father figure in a sense, because he would give me, he, he was telling me like, Hey, you need to apply for college. You need to do this. You need to do all these type of stuff. And, and I would just listen to him and then it would always come around and work out the right way. You know what I mean? Mm. And so when I'm at the group home and I'm giving these kids all this advice and, and they're still not listening to me, I'm like, come on, man. Like you guys, <laughs> but it's uh yeah, I'm always just, I don't know, trying to do what I can. And, and, and that's one thing that's, it's hard for me too. And my, my mom and my wife and everyone always said like, I'm the person that like I cannot say no. Like even if I'm busy or and someone asks me to do something, I'll be like, ah, oh, okay, I'll be there. And then if if I say I'll do something or I'll be there, I'll be there no matter what. Like I've never, I'll never flake on someone. I won't cancel last minute. But even then, they're telling me like you gotta say no. You gotta stop doing that. And I'm like, I can't. It's just it's something that I've been trying to work on, but it's it, it's so hard for me to 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 tell somebody no. You know. Mm-hmm. That's all so awesome though, man. That's that's really cool. So you started fighting professionally in 2011, I believe, correct? Yes. What if you could go back and coach your 2011 self or just give advice to that person, what would you say to him? Hmm. I don't know, it's kind of uh I don't know. Maybe it's it's not going to be as as glamorous <laughs> once you get to the like where I want to go. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I, I I had I had some good mentors. I had you know it's it's one of the best teams in the world for the lighter weight, a team alpha male, and yeah, we had some of the best fighters on the planet. You know that have been world champions, number one contenders. Um, you know, Uriah Faber is a big, uh, he's, he's the founder of the team. He created something super special for, uh, me and the team and everyone that's come in and out of the gym. Um, so I, so I think I had some really good guidance as far as that comes, but it was just a, it was a long road for me. Like, and, and that's what it feels like with, you know, going back to my childhood, it's like, that was, I was constantly overcoming like obstacles and adversity and, and just having to like kind of stay strong and just, you know, stick to the path. And so that's why for me, when I started in MMA, you know, I, I started in 2010, I actually had some amateur fights after I got back from, um, you know, I graduated college in 2010 and then this was all part of my plan too. Like I, I, uh, 
you know, after high school, I, I wrestled. Actually, the whole thing, even backing it up a little bit, sorry, but I was in high school. I was, my whole plan was set out. I was going to go into the military. I was going to go in the Army. I was already enlisted uh, as, you know, private first class because I, I did a buddy system. I did the, the PT. I did all the stuff. So I was going in. Uh, like um, it was like E3 private first class I was going to go in for five years get out become a cop um, at this time I, I finished I, I graduated high school I was getting ready for whatever and this is another huge um, mentor in my life is uh, you know David Pachenko coach Pachenko at Sac City College he you know he's been you know watch me wrestle in high school for a few years he actually called me and said hey I want you to come wrestle at Sac City, I was like, oh, I'm going into the the military, um, and and then he 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 would just stay on me, stay on me, and then he he finally he just signed me up for um, <laughs> classes, and then he called me again. And he's like, hey, all you have to do is come pick up your schedule at my office. You're already enrolled. I want you to wrestle for me, and and then looking back to another, you know, my high school, uh, one of my high school coaches, John Felix. Um, he always told me, you know, use wrestling as a tool uh, to, you know, pay for your education. And, and so as soon as he was like, it just kind of clicked when I was talking mm -hmm. to this coach at Sac City. And then I was like referring back to my my high school coach and little things here and there. I was like, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll come to your office and, you know, uh, check it out and do things like that. And then I decided, screw it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna wrestle, you know. And and uh, and then I told the recruiter, and man, I've never seen someone so pissed. He was, <laughs> he was, he was so angry uh, when I told him I wasn't because I already signed and did all this stuff. But I was, I was 17 at the time, and my mom had to, you know, co-sign. And um, he was, he was just telling me all crazy sorts of things. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna wrestle and go to college, and and he's like no, no, you can wrestle on the army team, like go through basic and then we'll figure out once you get there and nothing's on paper and all this. And I was like, Oh, it sounds kind of fishy. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I kept thinking about it and just talking to, you know, in my coaches and things like that. And, and they're like, no, just come here. So I, I ended up not going to the military and, and, and pursuing that. And, and, uh, yeah, it, it worked out great. So I, I, I did, you know, I wrestled in 2003 and 2005 at Sac city, and uh, and then I was getting offers to go to the four year level, you know, and in this like some in the Midwest, some in the East Coast. But at this time, I didn't, I did not want to travel. You know, I wanted to stay, I wanted to stay close to home, uh, my girlfriend, my my mom, family, and friends. And um, and so I at this time, this is when Uriah started to open his gym, and so he came into uh sac city at one of our dual meets um i want to say in like 2005 ish and he started handing out you know flyers and in the whole time i've always been a huge mixed martial arts fan um and i was like i always thought like oh, i could do this or i want to do this but wasn't wasn't too sure and then once i saw the flyer i was finished with wrestling season i ended up going into his gym when he when he just opened it and i started taking the classes and and he told me you know, after a few months, he came up to me and he's like, do, do you want to fight? And I was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's why I'm here. I want to learn as much as I can. And I think I can do really well at that. So that's why he, then he invited me to the the pro practices. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do some of that. And then at this time I was getting a lot of, um, 
Menlo College. It's down in the Bay Area in Atherton, California. And, uh, you know, I was getting offers from like San Francisco State, them. And and this is something that's like feasible to me because I want to stay close. It's not too far from home. And I was thinking, you know, man, I should probably, if I go to college and wrestle up to four year, I'll get better at wrestling. I'll get my degree in case the fighting does not work out for me. Um, and, and this was my plan all along. So I went down there. I wrestled from 2007 to 2010. And then as soon as I was done, I came back and, and picked up where I left off and started doing the pro practices again. And then maybe within three months, I, uh, I had my first amateur fight. I won that practice a few more months second amateur fight just kind of get the nerves out and then i i went pro in in 2011 like you're saying and then from there i constantly like battling injuries Mm -hmm. and and, like highs and lows and and me thinking like man i should just like give this up and there were so many times where i was you know i was like the top prospect um I was like next in line to go uh, for the UFC and almost got in, you know, a few times. I almost got on the Ultimate Fighter TV show a few times. Um, they had conference calls with the matchmakers and Uriah for me to get in the UFC. Then they'd go with someone else. And I was like, man, I'm never going to get in. But I only wanted to fight in the UFC. So I, I told Uriah, um, I, I only want to fight in the UFC. And I got offers from other organizations that are big you Mm -hmm. know but my goal was but that to me is like triple a ball even though it's not you know it's like it's like you want to play for the the giants you want to play for the river cats you know Mm -hmm. that's just my thought process i wanted the best and and so it was it was it was a long long road but once i got on that path and just decided like i'm gonna do this no matter what and and like i said everything worked out for a reason that there was several times where i at this point, if I lost in my pro career, just because I was getting older, I was going to give it up. I was done if I lost the fight because I was only fighting, you know, I was fighting like the, the toughest guys that were either UFC vets or people with like 30, 40 pro fights. And, and I only have like seven, six, seven pro fights at the time, eight, you know what I mean? But no one would fight me. Um, so I would have to go up go up in uh like skill and level but then i was like if i lose i'm done because i was getting older and 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 this whole time we've been struggling and sacrificing everything living in you know my best friend's one bedroom apartment and and my wife's been there like throughout this path and this Mm. journey with me and and i felt bad for you know having to put her through this but she's you know, I, I wouldn't be here without her, you know, and that that's for sure. And she's still the biggest supporter. And it's it's crazy the things we've gone through to, you know, get here. And we only got here. And I'm talking about where we've been able to not live in a one bedroom apartment or a spare room in, you know, my mom's house or my best friends, uh, you know, like almost a year and a half ago, you know, mm-hmm. we bought our home, we bought a house and we've been traveling the world and doing all sorts of things and so if i can go back to your question at the beginning was what i tell myself is it's going to be a long road it's it's not glamorous it's uh it's going to be tough but if you stick in there it'll all uh pay off 
Yeah, and, and so far it has. Yeah. Adversity seems like a common theme throughout your life. And it seems like you've been triumphant numerous times over adversity. And that's a, you know, I tip my hat to you for that because it's, it's not easy. What, what is the self-talk like when you face adversity or when you face struggles with the injuries or with your brother or with, with all these different things with your living situation or whatever it is, what is the narrative that you run in your head to help propel you forward and, and just not fall into the pit of despair? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like something, I don't know, even, and this is at a young age too, I don't know, I feel like even when things are not going right, and I feel like this is all the time, injuries, like just bad thing, like, you know, it's like no matter what, it always ends up working out some miraculous way something happens i swear i'm like at this why like this (laughs) crossing the road and it's like go left or right i'm not sure i go this way something bad happens uh but then it always comes around and it it always works out in the end and so i knew even at a young age going back to this i was just like i just felt like like everything's gonna be okay you know what I mean? like that's why as I long as you keep mom. pushing forward i think that's the biggest key is that you keep moving through it it's like okay oh, there's course, a path yeah. here i'm gonna go this path if that's blocked i'm gonna turn to my right and go this path but i think a lot of people would just like get hit with that injury or get hit with that situation and just like sulk and go into yeah, depression you know what i'm saying so, and that, that's been me and, and i've been in places where i've had like you know like negative self-talk usually i'm i always try to be like pretty positive and like no matter what this is going to work out or I just I I set big goals and and like mm-hmm. I dream big like like you know what I mean like <laughs> I dream big like and I think people should when you're setting your you know your your short term your your long term goals stuff like that like you need to go beyond what you think you're capable of cuz you you can and I know it's cliche but you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. as long as you're moving forward and you're you know you're just uh yeah, you, you just, you don't give up. You can't, you can't give up. And I always say like, you know, I've seen different, like pe- people are just wired different. You know, there's people, you know, a traumatic thing happens to them and they kind of sulk on it. Like you're saying, like, and they, they give up and they just, they blame, blame, blame. And, and that's, that's why they, they can't do anything because of this, this thing that happened to them. And I'm like, yeah, that's unfortunate, but you, you have to move on. You can't just give up like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what i mean like you, you literally can't because then and it's the same thing going with you know you want something you also have to work really hard at what you want you just can't visualize that i want this and if you're not doing the work nothing's gonna happen you know what i mean so there's like a fine line like if you want something go get it it may take time it might be really hard but in the end it'll pay off and it's i don't know that's just been my my mindset you know yeah like i'll go one way this doesn't work out i'll go the other way and if that doesn't work out, i'll bust through that wall you know i'll hop the fence I'll, I'll do whatever i have to do to get around that and and keep driving and moving forward until i get what i want and i still feel like you know i'm far from what i'm uh what i'm capable of what i'm going to achieve but uh you know it's it's all part of the journey and and, and i'm loving every uh every ounce of it yeah man what what are your current goals right now uh current goal like i want to be a you know a world champion in the ufc you know and that's the best fighter on the planet in in my weight class and 
you know, I was, I was so close to that. Um, you know, at one point I was ranked fourth in the world. I had a bad injury, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, had a minor setback, was out 13 months, but then even then that's when I've gone into, you know, like I was saying, I've had negative self-talk. I've had those type of like small bits of almost like depression, like, because mm-hmm. I was, I deal dealt with such a, a bad injury where I had multiple facial fractures, like all this type of stuff, but it was the vertigo that I had the worst vertigo. And I, I always say like, I never wish that upon anyone, even my worst enemy, just cause it was, it's horrible. Like if you haven't experienced it, it, I I always tell people, it's like, it's like I'm on a little boat in the middle of the ocean during the worst storm, like the ground's moving, like everything's spinning, you're nauseous. And I had this, um, when I was at like a peak, you know, I was at the highest high and I almost felt like unstoppable. You know, I was just going in there. I was winning fights, winning big fights, Mm -hmm. uh, in like devastating fashions. And then I just, you know, I get hit with some, you know, it's a shot I don't see coming, the little controversy behind it. But in the end, I, I, I suffer all these things. And when I wake up and I put everything and I swear, it's like, since I was a young child, like I said, I, I put everything into this my entire life to get to where I'm at. And I've had these big dreams and it could just be taken away from me like that. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. know if the vertigo was ever going to get better. Cause it, would, it was lasting like three months. I'd wake up nauseous, like not in a, the right state. Like I just, people that have had it understand, like, I just, you do not feel right. Like it's hard to describe, like you feel off, like mm-hmm. you just, you don't feel right. And, uh, like I was just thinking it scared me because I was, I was like, you know, I, we, we just bought our house, my wife and I, and then, you know, this, and I'm thinking about like money and I'm, for one, like bones will heal, you know, but then it was just this different type of thing. And I felt like I, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to fight again, you know, cause I'm fighting at the highest level with the best fighters in the world. And it's just like, you make a mistake and, and that's what can happen. Mm. And, and it did happen to me. So I, I did have a little bit of like, and I guess if you want to call it a little bit of depression or just, I was just kind of in this bad state for a while. And then I just, I just realized I was like, man, I got to stop thinking like that and, and, and kind of, you know, start, you know, marching forward again. And, and, and I did so and just, and just knew that everything was going to work out and, you know, no matter what I was going to fight again. And I just knew like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just felt like I was, I was put, I was put here to, you know, like you were saying, like, you know, ser- serve others. And I've done that, like entertain people, just do something great. And I, and then I just started like believing in that and just doing everything I possibly could. Like I couldn't work out, but that's when I started talking to other therapists and doctors and just doing what I needed to do to get my, my mind right and my body and, um, you know, doing just therapeutic things. I was doing more massage, acupuncture, floating. Um, I was working with a vestibular therapist, um, and, and then everything kind of, you know, changed for the better. And, uh, and then here I am again, I'm back in the gym doing things I love and, and just loving the lifestyle, you know, cause I, I love to like, you know, eat healthy. I love to work out. I love not having a boss. Um, but when I'm in camp, when I have a fight scheduled, it, like I said, it's, it's a full-time job with overtime, but outside of that fight, 
like I can I can enjoy you know like a passion of ours my wife and I is just traveling like we love to travel so anytime I get a fight it's hard for me to you know make plans in the future because I don't know when I'm going to fight so but when I get a fight then I can say okay I I know I won't fight right after so that's when we usually start to like Mm. it's fun for us we start to like do our research where do we want to go next and we we book something and then so after the fight you know knock on wood hopefully no injuries uh for my opponent or I but you know and and I can you know fly somewhere and, and and experience dive into the culture like uh just go sightsee and 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 that's what we we love to do and uh yeah so we'll do things like that and then you know after those injuries that i was just talking about i come back and i i have two big fights two big finishes and uh you know i'm kind of back to i'm not back to where i'm at i'm still ranked 10th in the in the division in the world but uh you know i'm i'm looking for big fights that'll get me closer to that that title fight because I know I keep going off whenever you ask me a question, but that that's one of my major goals right now is, uh, you know, becoming a world champion. Um, and, and just, I, I don't have, like I was saying, I want to maximize as much as I can in the short window I have left in fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're doing well and you're winning fights, you, there's a lot of money that, can be vain not as much as i think we should be getting paid Mm -hmm. but uh because it's such a dangerous career uh to have but i want to i don't have any retirement i don't have anything like that so my goal is to try to you know make as much money as possible a big chunk of change and then just like go into real estate and and you know have real estate be my retirement or you know just like i'm saying meet different people and maybe be able to do some business ventures with them or Mm. um yeah just just connections that will um that maybe after fight you know i'll go and do something else that i i love and and that i'm passionate about and uh you know wake up and can't wait to get there i'm excited about you know that's kind of how i feel about um the lifestyle of fighting it's uh some days are hard, but when I when I have a camp, it's like I'm sore, I'm banged up. Maybe I, I have a little injury, but I have to go. Even you know, it's like I don't want to go get punched in the face. And and the funny thing is too, like I I'm not an angry person. You know, like a lot of people that meet me, they're like, this guy fights. Like you know, it's it's kind of almost like a uh, going back to my mentality. It's just a flip I can switch. You know when. Uh, I can turn it on when I get in the octagon, you know, I just like flip the switch mm-hmm. and then it's like, you know, I feel like they're trying to, you know, hurt me or embarrass me or beat me up in front of my fans, my family, my wife, my mom. And I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I wish no, like I never want to injure my, I just want to get in there, win the fight and we're both good, go home to our families. But yep. you know, sometimes that's not the case. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a a crazy little it's a crazy world man i could i could only (laughs) imagine the the preparation and all that stuff how do you deal with your nerves going into a fight yeah that's that's uh that's one thing i i always thought it was I, i thought you needed to be scared you needed to be like really nervous my first amateur fight i uh yeah i asked my coaches right before i walked out i was like is it bad? I'm not nervous. And they're, and they're like, no, that's great. You know, I was always thinking like, you got to be like, tetri- like petrified, but it's like the, 
the thing that I found too, um, when I fight just cause, cause now I've done it so much. It's literally like, it's like work, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is work. So it's like, but the more calm I can be and relaxed, the better you fight. Like if I'm all tensed up and just, yeah. you know, swinging for the fences or like you can't let emotions get involved either. Um, and, and that's when some people, you know, they, they get, they're real angry and they're trying to like, you know, that's when you you can, you know, something bad can happen or you can make a mistake and, and mm-hmm. they'll capitalize on it. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not nervous at all before I fight. I'm way more nervous when my teammates and friends fight, you know, like I, I remember cornering one of my good friends in college. Uh, he was fighting at the time and, and we flew out and I cornered him. It was the first time I ever like cornered someone cause I wasn't even in the, like the fight scene yet. And, uh, I just remember when the bell rang and the guy ran across and hit him and he like dropped. I was like, Oh, like he got up and he ended up winning the fight. But my, my heart was just pounding and I, I couldn't control it. You know, it was just like, and I was like in there moving around and it's like, almost like I want to hop over the, the cage and help him. But mm-hmm. when I fight, but so I totally understand how it is for, you know, my friends and my, especially my mom and wife and yeah. uh, like, but I'm like, you know, you'd never know. I'm like, eh. it, <laughs> it's just another day at the office. It's kind of like, you know, if you worked at a, a desk job, it's like, you know, you're not going to get nervous going into work unless you were late and had a, you know, the boss was calling you in the office or something. But it's like, you're not getting nervous, you know, yeah. I'm assuming when you're going into teach that that's just how I personally am. Other people are scared. That's they need that. But I treat it like a big finals match in in wrestling or i treat treat it like you know just a it's going to be a hard sparring session you know i I feel like i put so much mat Mm -hmm. time in with wrestling Mm -hmm. and competing and being an athlete my whole life and sparring and doing all this it took me a long time to get to where i'm at so i put in the time and so i just try to treat it like that and i know it's dangerous um but i'm just the more relaxed and just loose i am like the, the you know, the better fighter comes out of me, even if I feel like I rise to the occasion. So even the better competitor that I'm facing, whether it be in wrestling, you just do whatever it may be. Um, if the better fighter, you know, I, I really rise to the occasion and the best comes out. I feel like if sometimes I'm, you know, fighting someone that, you know, a little lower, some, not saying I stoop to their level, but it's just, it's not the same, you know, I, no matter what, I always, uh, just rise to the occasion and, and that's my, uh, that's my thing. But I, I try to be as calm as possible and, and hope I can go out there and, and get a win as quick as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious if that correlates just to, to your preparation, right? Just knowing that you've done everything that you can, you, you've seen as many looks as you can of this dude, you've, you've cut your weight, you've done your thing and it's just like, you're just ready to rock. Um, do you think that's a big part of it is just knowing how well prepared you are for it? Because if, if you talk to like going into like my classroom or something like that, I'm never nervous, but I would be nervous if I wasn't prepared for the day's lesson. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, no, and I know that's, you're that's super disciplined too. Yeah. That's, that's dead on. So it's like if, if I, uh, <laughs> you know, if I was, you know, slacking or not doing the things I need to do. And maybe I was going to fight one of the top guys in the world and, and I didn't do what I had to then. Yeah, you're probably right. Then I, then I probably would, some nerves would come out, um, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But I, I'm so just dialed in once I, once I get 
a fight. And this is, this is what motivates me because it's, it, it's hard for what I do. Um, you, you can't mentally and physically, you can't stay in like peak shape, like year round. There's no possible way. I feel like it's just too much on your, your, you know, your, your mind and your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but I, but I train, like I, I'll eat healthy. Um, when I'm right out of camp, like after I fight, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy, I love food. I'm a big foodie and, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we like wine a lot. So I'll have that, you know, here and there, it's almost like I splurged a little too much within like, you know, a month and then I'll get back to just working out. And that's where I'm doing, you know, one to two practices a day, or I'm just doing like, you know, a mitt session where I'm not, t- I won't spar. I'm not taking any damage. Um, I'm just, but once I get a fight, then I'm super motivated, um, and, and well prepared, you know, I map out my schedule. So I'll have, you know, two to three sometimes four things a day and then on my off day which is sunday then that's when i'm doing all my my body work whether i go do like you know some bikram yoga go float go to cryo um throughout the week maybe i'll get some massage things like that but it's literally i become obsessed with my opponent and and i think that's what's helped me and and um and, and I've seen the success I have in a short amount of time just because I, I really come become obsessed with my opponent and I'm, I'm always thinking, what are they doing? Or I got to go do this. And I'm watching film on them. Uh, I have a game plan. I, I get different training partners that can emulate the person I'm fighting. So I feel like, even though it's not, you know, I've never sparred the person, I've never fought the person. I feel like I'm well-prepared and, you know, I've, I've got the, the, the best training camp possible. And I, I go above and beyond and I, I do my outside, like, you know, road work, strength and conditioning. And, and I'm working with a mind coach and in visualizing how I'm going to finish the fight. And it's just, uh, so yeah, you're, 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 you're dead on that. Like if I did not do the things that I do, um, for every camp, then yeah, I would, I would probably actually be nervous for the first time, but I, I've never done that. So, <laughs> yeah. so no nerves. From what I've heard, I mean, you're, you're hyper, as you kind of described, you're hyper diligent uh, about your, your preparation. And that's probably what is setting you apart. Just the fact that you lock in and you get what you know needs to be done, done, um, which is super cool to quote my, my high school basketball coach, proper, preparation prevents poor performance the five p's or the six p's or whatever um josh this has been awesome man good luck with everything that you're doing keep doing what you're doing i appreciate you doing this josh yeah anytime thanks for having me on again nick all right guys later a special thanks to king's kaleidoscope for the instrumental used on the intro and outro of this podcast Also a big thanks to the good people at Capital Floats, which is Northern California's premier sensory deprivation and float tank facility. I am a frequent user there, and the experience is transformative to say the least. And for listeners of this podcast, they are offering an exclusive deal of 40% off the normal price for a single float. Just go to capitalfloats.com and use the promo code Life Enchanted with no spaces at checkout. If you're in Northern California, you definitely want to take advantage of this. Please remember that I am not a doctor, so definitely consult your physician before making any sudden diet, supplement, or lifestyle changes suggested in any of these episodes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can send an email to nick, N-I-C-K, at mylifeenchanted.com. 
or you can find me on Instagram at my life enchanted. Peace.